Welcome to the Multidimensional Evolution Podcast. I am Kim McCall. The premise underpinning discussions on this podcast is that life extends beyond the physical dimension, that death is not the end of life, that we're all connected energetically with each other, both in the physical dimension and across dimensions, and that there is a purpose to our life that involves growth, healing and assistance to each other. I aim to have conversations to expand your consciousness, help you reconnect with your essential self, and live life as an integrated, multidimensional human being. But given the subject matter, a request. Don't believe in anything, including what is shared here. Experiment, have your own experiences, and always use discernment. The musical introduction to this episode is by Finnish fusion artist Axel Teslev, and this song is called Reincarnation. My guest today is Angela Lee. Originally from the US, Angela spoke with me from her home in the UK. I was introduced to Angela through a mutual friend who suggested I interview her for this podcast. All I knew about her at that point was that she had written a few children's books that conveyed some important philosophical and ultimately multidimensional life messages. Her most recent book is Bella Santini in the Land of Everlasting Change, a 22-chapter fairy tale featuring consciousness concepts embedded into an engaging storyline. In this interview, we discover the dramatic life changes that led Angela to this trajectory. A fire burned through her life, quite literally, and turned her from a self-described muggle into a soul listener. This was no easy journey, and Angela describes the tools that helped her in this transformation, in which she shifted from a place of victimhood to one of feeling empowered in the creation of her own life. Along the way, we talk about the power of collective contributions to healing our community, the way children books can teach emotional resilience, breath work, changes of the planet, and much more. I hope you enjoy this interview. Angela, I'm really looking forward to exploring the work that you do and the way you're trying to introduce ideas around consciousness and healing and I guess generally just becoming a, a, a whole a holistic person really for children, right? You work with children. I think that is such a still a, an untapped area that a lot of us struggle with to know how to work with kids and I know that that's what you do. So I really look forward to exploring that with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's my sole mission to open the hearts and minds of children, but also adults to consciousness. Um, but most particularly childlike wonder, joy and playfulness. And so I do that through the stories that I either speak or write. Yeah. And I mean, that, you know, childlike wonderness is a beautiful um, state at any age, right? It's, it just makes you feel alive. Well, and the thing is, you know, children, they're so in touch with their magic. A child will see a snail crossing a sidewalk. 
a three-year-old will crouch down and really, you know, examine the snail and be so interested and curious about the snail and why does it leave this trail behind and what is the trail made of and, you know, is that magic that this trail shows Mm. up and how does it move without legs and, you know, all these little learning things are going through a child's mind as they look at something that we dismiss. We walk by it, we don't see it. If it's in our garden, we might try to eradicate it. Um, Yeah, I'm actually, you're bringing back memories of watching snails as a young child, as you're talking and having that. Yeah, and they'll do it with ants, they'll do it. You know, I remember my three-year-old son would run through the house yelling, the Garbers man is coming because he was so excited just to see that truck do its thing of picking up the garbage can. And, you know, there's magic in the mundane and we as adults tend to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, we're just busy and don't see it. Yeah, yeah, busy, caught in the mind maybe more rather than in the moment. In the heart, but I, yeah. I'm curious, um, uh, I think it would be, it would be great if to, to learn a bit about how you came to this, right, how to, to, mm. to make this your, your mission. <laughs> because I gathered from looking at your website that um, this isn't always where you've been at and there's been some really no. powerful uh, moments in your life confronting moments, difficult moments that seem to have led you to a place where you feel really passionate about this. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm smiling. So this story I'm going to tell is it's okay. Even though (laughs) it all started when the phone rang and it was at 1.30 in the morning. So when the phone rings at 1.30 in the morning, nobody really, you know, you might think, oh, it's somebody drunk dialing. But you also go, your mind goes to what's wrong? Who's sick? What's happening? I jerked awake. I picked up the phone and I heard a robotic voice that said, wildfire heading your way, evacuate immediately. This was in October of 2017 when the Tubbs wildfire destroyed the wine country of California. Um, My community lost 5,000 homes, one of which was mine. And really the rug was pulled out from under. Um, I I know you're in Australia and I know that you guys had some terrible wildfires I don't know if that was in the community that you're in. Um, I've actually had an automatic message like that once. Uh, fortunately, yeah. the fires never came close to us, but that that instant of adrenaline and... Um, yeah, you know, well, for me... Getting out of the house was still, still quite memorable. And in your case, it sounds like it was, yeah, quite disastrous. <laughs> um, I didn't know it, but the fire was really upon us. So when the phone call came, I actually um, went to the back door and I opened it. 
I lived on a hillside and you expect everything to be dark at 1.30 in the morning. The hillside was dark, but the sky at the top of the hillside was um, tangerine orange. Mm. And that was weird enough, but the noise that that I heard was unworldly. And what it was, was the wind and the fire. And the fire was like a lion roar, just huge lion roar. The wind was like a freight train. And those two sounds were mixed together. And it, you know, I don't, I'll probably never forget that sound, but it, it was even more frightening than the color of the sky, you know, because it was just so, it, it didn't compute, it didn't belong. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I slammed the door, um, 10 minutes later, my ex-husband had, you know, grabbed a couple of things and I grabbed the photo albums and all the dog stuff and the dog. We got in the truck and drove away. And when I looked back at the house, I didn't know that that was going to be the last time I saw this house, this house that I had raised my kids in, that I had had family Christmases and Thanksgiving dinners in for 24 years. Um, But I looked and and I just kind of joked. I said, okay, well, I guess I won't have to clean out those closets. And it's true. I didn't have to clean out those closets. Um, A fire is a remarkable way to really get rid of junk. (laughs) I, um, but another thing that I learned through this fire is that stuff, we think that stuff is important. You know, people ask me what, what, Uh, are you really sad about having lost? And, you know, there was my mother's China from the forties. There was my son's baby shoes, um, all the marks on the wall of his growth. Yeah. But those things are placeholders for memories. They are not the memories. And I have all of the memories. I just don't have the thing that, reminds me of the memories and I have found that I don't need the thing to remind me of the memories because Mm. I still have the memories. So it's really changed, you know, my, the way I look at stuff. I, I love art. So I, I, I do buy art, (laughs) but otherwise I just don't collect anything. So I imagine you went through a bit of a process of, of loss and grief after that, right? That would have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really, I went through a dark night of the soul. Um, it was not only that, you know, the house was gone, but it's like the community was, it was like the community just exploded away out and and so you know i had been in a book club with 12 women 10 of us lost our homes and eight moved you know so yeah. it was the whole structure uh social structure just kind of went away and um the other thing that happened for me was 
when I didn't have the detritus of everyday living um, to keep me busy, I realized that the relationship I was in was not serving me. So I left my ex-husband within one year of the fire. Right. And um, then six months later, I left a government job where I was in a very hierarchical um, creativity is not really valued <laughs> job. Oh. And so I left that job and I ended up moving across the ocean to live in England um, because the landscape here is so magical that it really sparks all the fairy tales that kind of percolate in my head. Yeah, yeah, England does do that. That's very true. <laughs> Certainly yeah. for those of us who probably have roots there, I'm guessing you might have some ancestral roots in, in the UK or? Mm, well, my father, so I, um, my father's father was born in Ireland. Right. So I think technically I can even get an Irish passport maybe. But <laughs> other than yeah. that, no. Um, I think in all honesty, I think that in a past life, maybe I lived in England. Um, there's some deep connection with the Cotswolds area. That's why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a big, that, that fire sounds like it really burnt through, you know, more than just your house. It, it was, you know, the universe will send us messages when we're not aligned with our soul. And first it's, you know, just a tap on the shoulder and saying, you know, hey, Angie, you need, <laughs> you need to look at your life and do something a little different. Um, and as you, cause I was very unawake. I was, I was, you know, just one of those asleep people. Um, Eric Edmeads yesterday called him muggles, which I thought was really, you know, in a way appropriate, but also very funny. So um, anyway, I was one of those muggles and I didn't, hear my soul speaking to me. I didn't um, pay attention to where I wasn't aligned. And the fire, you know, it said that the universe will tap you on the shoulder, tap you on the other shoulder, maybe pat your face a little. And then if you're still not paying attention, it's going to sideswipe you. <laughs> and that's what yeah. the fire was. So, yeah, it was my wake up call. Yeah, and so what did you wake up to? What did you wake up into? Oh, well, for at first it was, um, you know, I went through many stages of grief and loss. And um, when I left my marriage, I was firmly entrenched in victimhood. And um, it took me a year and a half to two years to really clear all those patterns 
out of my energy field and um, expand beyond victimhood and this happened to me um, to into this happened for me. And how did you do this? What kind of tools did you find or support did you find to help you through these processes? Because it's not easy to shift. It's not easy. I have had so much help and everybody who wants to can have the same. So I think first I read Joe Dispenza, one of his books that, you know, talked about consciousness. And in December of 2018, I met Liseth Wirtz, who is a quantum shift facilitator, a very, very strong um, energy worker who who works with emotions. And, what was the and, name? Sorry. Then, her name is Liseth Wirtz, um, W-E-R-T-Z. She does the Path to Yourself program. Mm-hmm. And she... Through her help, I became soul embodied, which was, you know, within going two two to two and a half years from completely unconscious to being soul embodied is um, really fast. (laughs) And I know that her facilitation was definitely you know, part of that, but also, um, I enrolled, I, I was on Kindle and I was thinking, I really want to read a book that's going to really help me spiritually. And this book, you know, Kindle will lay out a bunch of options for you. And this book called Mastering Alchemy kind of stood out to me for some reason. I bought it and, um, it's run by Jim Self and Roxanne Burnett. And um, basically they're working with the archangels to really shift consciousness on this earth. And so um, there's a Mastering Alchemy program coursework that you can do that I'm doing currently right now that really gave, so Lisette shifted my energy Mastering Alchemy is giving me tools. And Lee Seth gave me tools too. I don't want to, I don't want to short her. She did give me tools. But um, the tools that I'm getting through Mastering Alchemy are just amazing. Mm. So and they have a project. It's called Project Park Bench. Um, it's free. It's every second Sunday of every month. And the idea is to have people all over the world go sit on a park bench and listen to a meditation for, um, it's in about an hour. For me, it's at seven o'clock at night and the UK. Everybody doing it at the same time, is this the idea? At the same time, yeah. So there's, right now there's 4,500 people involved. And some of them are mastering alchemy students, but a a grand number of them aren't. But they're getting the tools that are in mastering alchemy just by doing the free Project Park Bench um, webinars. And so everybody goes and sits on a park bench somewhere and follows a certain guided meditation? 
Is that the idea? It's a guided meditation um, where you're being activated by archangels, basically. Right. Um, so, yeah, the idea is to sit on a park bench, but because of the timing, it, it's run from the United States. So um, it turns out for me, it's about 7 p.m. And even in the summer, England is not always warm enough at 7 p.m. to be out on a park bench. <laughs> so I frequently do it in my living room. Um, but, you know, the idea is that all these conscious beings connected, we're amplifying and spreading out these ripples that affect the muggles, yeah. you know, that, that's helping raise their vibration. So it's a beautiful project, and when yeah, I, I love highly the sound of that, I think that's really such an important piece. And I see it happening in all these different ways in different yeah. organizations, different people that are creating these global activities mm -hmm. where you know mm -hmm. networks of people come together and try and contribute to everybody else and themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and co-creation is so. I mean, it, it just amplifies when you have more than one with the same intent and, um, you know, working towards the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you've mentioned, uh, you've mentioned energy and you've mentioned archangels and so on. So I'm just curious about your, your paradigm, you know, your framework, how would you understand you seem to you seem to have a perspective where as humans we are more than the physical body we have an energy body we have we're somehow connected to what I, I call extra physical people which you know might include what you call archangels or other kinds of, of extra physical mm -hmm. uh, beings people um, yeah what else how else do you see how else would you well, I believe yeah I believe that we are all souls that are experiencing through our physical body life on this earth. And souls have many worlds to choose from. It's not just earth. But earth itself is like this grand experiment where we are experiencing. So, from a human perspective, we see good, bad. And so, you know, good emotions, bad emotions, and good behavior, bad behavior. But from a soul perspective, it's all an experience. And there's no label applied to the experience. It is an experience. And to experience is the objective, um, you know, what I believe is that source this wanted to know itself and split so that it could know itself. <laughs> and um, after many, many, many splits, you know, here we are. And <laughs> so, so we are, we are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Source, right? we are all an aspect of the source. Yeah. And I think of it as a hand. So my fingers, are an aspect of my hand, but they're all individual fingers. And so that is us. 
Um, so one soul actually can have more than one aspect. So there are me in alternate realities, maybe other universes, part of my soul. And when you become soul connected and particularly embodied with your soul, then you have that energetic connection where you can access the wisdom, the um, knowing from other realms, other beings. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I always have a little bit of a, um, uh, a kind of a, a barrier in a way when it comes to alternative uh, you know this 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 idea Five of multiverse times. this idea of multiverses right so mm -hmm. i'm incredibly comfortable with the fact that we're here that we leave the physical body um you know after death or even during the night in our out of body states that we life continues after death all of that but when it comes mm -hmm. to you know there are multiple kins living multiple lives and multiple alternative universes and multiple angelas and you know all that <laughs> then i kind of go well maybe but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've got enough it's to quite... enough to integrate just yeah. myself and my multidimensional nature right now, you know, and then it's quite mind bending. And it's also, um, you know, in NLP, you can pop up out of your timeline, look at all the timelines available to you and pick the one that is the brightest and drop yourself down into the brightest timeline. And so um, it's useful, but also can be quite mind bending. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and mind bending can be quite good for us, I think. I quite like bending my mind every now and then. <laughs> you know? There's but, so much to delve into. Exactly. But it's also always good to come back to, in the end, the body. You know, right now, as we're in the physical body, I feel that's such an important um, yeah, being, place to be. Yeah, a being in your body. So really feeling the feelings and allowing the feelings is so important, um, you know, and that's something that's part of my fairy tale book. One whole chapter is devoted to feelings. Um, yeah. So maybe talk about my that. So, so I actually, like I told you before we started recording, you know, I haven't looked at that particular book, Bella, and, mm -hmm. Bella Cintini in the land of everlasting change is that the right yeah, yeah. bella santini yep um, and it's going to be a series so okay. which is yeah it's um the stories keep flowing to me so i'll keep writing them yeah that sounds lovely i mean i i, I guess you know i looked so i looked at the books that you've pointed me out to me that are on youtube so if, if anybody wants to look them up um uh so and there's the one called the journey of stanley the raindrop and yeah. that seemed to have this message around change, right? So that's exactly seemed to be a really important uh, part with everlasting change. But I'm just thinking about the emotional piece. Um, 
Yeah, maybe little bird touches a bit on that with the bird coming to. Um, yeah, little bird is really about a a bird that isn't accepting what's there their for own them. self. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so there are feelings involved, but it's not really written about feelings. It's about um, accepting who you are and loving yeah. who you are. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, Gracie, was written because I saw a Facebook post of a friend whose daughter has a disease and um, the the little girl was being um, taunted or um, just dismissed because of whatever is wrong with her. Mm. So she was experiencing being unaccepted for who she is because of who she is. And that one I wrote specifically for that little girl because I, I just, I knew that she is a star child and she's got a message for the world and that she needed to know who she is and not let the world tell her who she is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's such an important uh, kind of le lesson for us. And it, it seems to show up um, in different guises over as we go through life, right? I, I've, I've found in my, in my own life, uh, you know, rebelling against the world as a teenager and then finding myself uh, in, uh, in workplaces where I was perhaps allowing things to define me and in a relationship where I, over the years, very almost unwittingly fell into patterns and, and ended up identifying myself through someone else rather than through myself. Um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I very much resonate with all of that <laughs> because yeah. that's exactly what I did. And... Um, you know, for me, it took a wildfire to wake me up. And um, I hope for other people that they don't need to have that kind of trauma in order to awaken. But I also understand that um, everything happens for me, not to me. And so there is a gift within that trauma that happened. And further, I understand that, um, and this is, <laughs> I told this to some friends over tea and they had a really hard time with it. <laughs> it's, it, it turned out to be more controversial. Um, but what I believe is that everyone is a mirror. So, when I am in an environment that I view as toxic, it's because I have within me a wound that is responding to and seeing that toxicity. And it's not them doing it to me, it's them holding up a mirror so that I can see this wound because it needs to be healed so that I can be whole. And 
um, to be able to view your life through that kind of lens is quite empowering. Yeah, I think that, that I can see how that gets can get controversial uh, in a sense because yeah. I think there are there are areas where it risks becoming disempowering um, in the sense of people. Well, People, I mean, I, I, so, you know, when people are in an abusive relationship, for example, mm. and they think that <laughs> they should stay in that relationship because somehow, you know, yeah. if only they heal their wounds, then the partner will stop being abusive. Um, well, they're, they're, I mean, the wound, I, so, so just, I think the wound is that if the person heals, if the person realizes and takes control, then they will leave because they won't be put well yes that absolutely so i i was in an abusive marriage and i don't talk about it anymore because i don't i don't see myself as a victim Mm. um i know that it's really hard And it's really hard to leave an abusive marriage. Um, There is so much fear involved with that. And I also know that when you're in that situation, it's almost impossible to heal because the wounds happen over and over and over and over again. So it's really almost imperative to get out in order to heal. And so um, there are a lot of books that are, you know, written about things like narcissism um, or other abusive things. And the books will say, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And that's really important to get the person out but once they're out, that message of it's not your fault means you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. And if they stay in victim, they will repeat the pattern mm. and attract the same thing because it is until that wound is healed, they attract the same behavior. So that's where it's very empowering. Um, Because when you can say, as much as I hate the behavior I experienced, I also understand it was for my benefit for me to see the wound inside me that needed to be healed. Yeah, and you take responsibility. I guess the thing is to take responsibility for being in that situation in the first place and understanding why you were there. Yeah, I chose the marriage. I chose to stay as long as I did. I chose not to set boundaries. I chose, you know, I could go down this whole list of my decision points that bring the responsibility right to me. And that's where it lays. We're all responsible for ourselves. And yeah, I mean, (sighs) It's such a deep rabbit hole. I don't think we have the time to go 
deeply into it, but for anyone listening, um, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying that when, when you can remove yourself from the situation and you have the opportunity to heal, the healing comes so much faster when you can accept responsibility not for the behavior, but for the choices you made. Yeah. And then you can look at it from the other perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually even written in, into the book. Hey. <laughs> that's what, sorry? I said that's actually even written into the book. <laughs> in which, which book is this? Um, my Bella Santini. Okay. Well, would you like um, to talk a little series. bit about that, about that book, about what that covers and the, you know, what? Yeah. Um, so right now there's actually three that are written. The first one um, should hit the markets in August, probably by mid-August. Um, the second one will probably come out in late September and the third one in November. And then by that time, I'll have written another one probably. So pretty much every two months, um, there will be another one released. And the, the book is, um, there's a 14-year-old girl who is the protagonist, um, typical teenage girl. And um, one day when I'm camping with her parents, she is spirit away to fairy world. Um, so she's taken off earth and into an alternate reality that is fairy kingdom. Um, think of it as middle earth. And um, she, her initial response is how do I get back to earth? You know, everything, her whole intent is to get back to her family, which she now values because <laughs> it's, it's been taken away. Yep. Yeah. Um, and she goes through many different adventures. And um, in book two, there's a big revelation. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a war, there's trolls, there's dragons, there's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like within all the, that, that lovely fantasy world, which so many of us, you know, grew up with, love, feel connected yeah. to, um, there are also different messages, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming from what you've said, there was, a, you said there was a chapter about really allowing your emotions to be Yeah, there. so, um Bella, the main character, is given um, three trials that she has to complete in order to be enrolled within the magic school, which will she's hoping will teach her the magic for her to get back to Earth. So she's always got this goal in mind when she, while she's doing all this stuff. But in chap the chapter entitled Emovia. Um, she and a compatriot go to a another alternate dimension, um, Emovia, and it's 
a world that is populated only by emotions. There are no people, there are only emotions. How do they so manifest these emotions? Are they, are they personified or just no, experiences, feelings like that run through just, you? It's invisible feelings that are floating through the air. Um, so as they're navigating you know, through one of the hallways of this place, sadness comes over them and it descends and it's just like heavy and sticky and they're just drawn down into sadness and they have to figure out how to pick themselves up and move out of that emotion. Um, so in that there's, you know, breath work taught to help center and, and um, energize. And so through breath work, they get through that emotion. Um, well, yeah, actually calm comes by <laughs> and, and descends on them too. So calm helps them get out of that emotion, but that sparks a conversation between the two on how can they cultivate calm so that if they run into another emotion, they are then able to counteract it with calm, um, which is a vehicle for teaching different modalities, um, EFT tapping, um, breath work. So you explain those <laughs> things in the, you, you, like you give someone, an, there's an instruction around, around breath work. What kind of breath work? Are With you? breath work. So yeah, in the book, I talk about, um, it, it's box breathing. Yeah. So breathe in for the count of four, hold it for the count of four, breathe out for the count of four, hold it for the count of four. And how doing that box breathing can really, bring you back into yourself and, and center you. It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, I do not go into an explain, I explain what EFT tapping is, but I don't teach it specifically because there are so many resources to teach it and it's a children's book. So I didn't want to delve yeah. that deeply yeah. into a topic. Yeah. 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 But it's fun to have things that kids can actually apply. You know, I can imagine that breathing. I can imagine a kid reading the book and then just playing around with it, uh, adopting the breathing technique. Yeah. And, and really, um, you know, there are concepts that are, that are taught. And, and it's beautiful to be in a fairy world because you can, you can write a concept and say, well, in the fairy world, it's like this. And so it kind of plants a seed of, wow, you know, if it happens in the fairy world, maybe we can have it here on earth. And the truth is we can have all of that that's in the book here on earth if we become conscious. <laughs> so, um, you know, in one, in one part, they're at the school cafeteria and Bella is worried that with all the fairies rent, you know, getting food that it's going to run out. And another fairy says, well, no, this is a world of abundance and it just replenishes. We, you know, 
there's never any lack here. And it's an easy concept to, when you dress it up as a fairy concept, people aren't going to argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it also just drops that little seed of, um, you know, what lack is and what abundance is and how you can have abundance. Mm. Um, it's going to jump to the, just because I read that, right, or I watched it rather, your, the, the story of Stanley. I really enjoyed that, Stanley the Raindrop. <laughs> Because I, I love Thank the you. way it's such a cute little story, and but it captures some really profound topics, right, including the loss, for example, when, when he gets, in a sense, separated from his father and his mm -hmm. family, um, going through these different states of being stuck being when he frozen. starts freezing. Yeah. Um, being alone and being immersed and being part of a bigger whole. And then the reunification. So mm -hmm. yeah, maybe like what, what I mean. What were you trying to capture in that? Maybe you could talk about that. And also, I'm curious where you get your inspiration from. Mm. With the the um, Bella books, I'm pretty sure that I have a fairy that speaks to me in my dreams and just like kind of sets me up to write the next day um with do you have dreams that you remember of this or do you I just don't. wake up with lots of ideas i i wake up with ideas <laughs> yeah. yeah no i don't remember my dreams really um and then with the stanley one i think that one came to me in meditation because i'm an avid meditate i meditate for an hour in the morning um i'm pretty sure that the idea um, about, you know, there are so many people in the world who are so resistant to change and change is one of the things we can guarantee is going to happen. Um, yeah. So just helping, helping people see that within change can be beauty, no matter what the change is. Mm. If you look, if you seek to find the beauty of it. Yeah. And, you know, that brings me to, you know, we create the world we live in. And it, what that really means is what we put our focus on is the world we live in. So if we focus on finding beauty and change, then we will find beauty and change. If we focus on change is hard change, I don't like change, I, you know, I, I want things to stay the same. That's what we will find when we experience change. So shifting perspective is such a powerful tool to um, use to create a better life for yourself. Mm. Yeah, it's, as you say, it kind of literally can change the way life um, appears to you, life uh, unfolds yeah. to you. But it's like, you but know, that's the very, hard thing. Hey? 
<laughs> the shifting of the perspective is the hard thing because there's uh, patterns. Exactly. And, and yeah. often it takes uh, a lot of that that work to well, like in in your case, it was a trauma, a traumatic experience that pushed through, and then there was, by the sounds of it, quite a process of um, of shedding pattern. Yeah. 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 But, you know, the, the beautiful thing, this is a time of awakening for the world. And there are so many people offering really for free. You know, what I do locally is I do guided meditations designed to help raise the frequency of the people attending. Mm. Um, there's that park bench project that is really about changing the whole world and and bringing you know a, a beautiful state of accepting change and um, seeing your life through the lens of good um, that is so empowering <laughs> so yeah. you know there there's so many people right now working to bring about change in this world and i know that we're going to reach the tipping point and and you know we're all just going to have much better lives when we get there <laughs> yeah look i i love that vision you know i i have um uh i suppose i feel a little bit wary not wary but i feel like uh, it is a, it is going to be quite a journey, and I uh, I completely agree um, that for example my one of my big topics has been out of body experience, and I've been mm -hmm. pursuing that for over twenty years now. And you've there's been a huge shift over the last five years around the number of people talking about it, writing about it, offering yep. workshops about it. Um, very noticeable. It's become a whole a whole different field, but. Um, I, I guess I, I also see that the kind of consciousness that's stuck and that is um, from the old paradigm of power over each other and controlling mm -hmm. and manipulating and exploiting the earth and all that, that's really powerful as well. And that's, um, I, I guess I think, I'm not sure how it's going to unfold, but I feel the shift I'm always a bit wary about this idea that we're just going to enter some sort of golden age. I feel there's going to be quite a, <laughs> going to be quite a slog. <laughs> it's not going to be like five years from now, we're all going to live on heaven and earth. Yeah. It's, it's going to be like, and, and you know, this is my belief. So take it for what it is, but I believe that um, some people can live in heaven on earth right now because of the way they perceive life around them, the, the world around them, um, where they're looking through the lens of everything works for me, um, everything is to my benefit, that lends itself to living heaven on earth right now. Um, there is, a lot of people who are um, really experiencing fear, separation, and pain 
and um, you know, there's traumas, there's the racial divide there, you know, there, there's all this stuff that's percolating up. And what I believe is that's the density of our planet being loosened. So the density of those emotions are being loosened. They have to come to the surface for them to be exercised out. And so the next five years, maybe 10 years, there's going to be a lot of this kind of density, um, unrest as things shift. But once again, it goes back to everything is for my good or everything is for the good of the world because it is the lifting of those densities and the loosening of those densities that is going to eventually allow them to just go away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I see it much the same. And I really like that lens. Everything is for the good. Um, it's a hard, you know, people, people have a hard time with that one. Yeah, I can, and, and you know, if you're... Understandably. Absolutely. If you're really um, struggling and, uh, you know, in, in an oppressed situation or in a in, in suffering situation, then it probably it would seem quite condescending even if somebody tells you that right right if someone told me this three years ago i would be like yeah right you know i would i would totally dismiss it and i would have um really maybe even been offended by them yeah um, but i just i have learned enough to bring me to this point where I have that understanding. And for me, it's really quite empowering to have that understanding. Yeah. And of course I want that for everybody. <laughs> you know, I want them, I want everybody to see the beauty, to see the joy, the, the wonder of it all. And, you know, when I say that, I am not dismissing the pain. I am not dismissing the um, fear. You know, those things are real and it's real. What, what has happened to people over ages, it's real. Um, and when you can step out of the pain and look at it from what I call it, the 30,000 foot up um, view of everything. Um, when you can reach that 30,000 foot up view, it's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. And I, I think then the real challenge is to maintain that view while being fully embodied in the life, right? <laughs> being right here in the midst of it and still feel connected to that bigger. Yeah. The way I look at it is there's, um, and I got this from the Project Park Bench people, so two moving sidewalks. 
One is going a little bit faster, but they're right next to each other. And um, the world would be this sidewalk and, and you know, the 30,000 foot view is the next sidewalk and it's going a little bit faster. And you can see everything that's happening in the world, but you, you're not actually touching it because you're on this other sidewalk. And so um, I remember I had a, a point in my evolution as a, a soul <laughs> where I only wanted to be around high vibe people. I didn't want to experience any negativity. I didn't want to be around, um, you know, the things that I considered as low vibe yeah like low vibe i think you said on one of your blog posts you said something about you had this belief that you needed to be happy all the time right right yeah yeah and i think that that was natural given the environment that i was in at the time um and i just I have a different viewpoint now. Um, you know, I think of everybody as being on the path of um, enlightenment. Everybody's on the path. And can I just ask you what do, what do you mean by enlightenment? Yeah, so I would say enlightenment is being um, soul embodied and connected to all, you know, no longer feeling separated, but feeling connected to everything. And I'm not there yet. So <laughs> and, I want to be there. Soul embodied um, would mean having a really strong sense of yourself as um, having come before this life, right? Like lived before and continuing after and being conscious of that. Is that what you mean by soul embodied? Um, so the distinction between, between connecting or knowing your soul and soul embodied. So um, being connected to your soul is a great thing, but it's like outside of you. You don't feel so soul embodied is where, <laughs> basically tell your soul darn it you're the one who wanted these experiences so you got to be here in me and experience the experiences with me <laughs> so you're kind of like slapping your soul and saying come on this is your this is the game you wanted to play so come play it um, because what happens is um, when we experience hard things our soul actually runs away. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the soul will flee and we're like, you know, experiencing. So I'm trying to work out what this dichotomy is between us and the soul. You know, what's the. Yeah, like so. Talk about us being here and then the soul fleeing. Who are we when we're not have, when the soul isn't there? Or... We're just a disem disembodied um, person. So. We're still us, but we don't have that connection to the divine. Um, 
we just need to call it back and get it yeah. back in. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think that that is one of those really deep conversations that we could probably spend a whole hour on or more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but suffice it to say, um, there's a lot of people who are soul connected, meaning that they know that they have a soul. They're, you know, they they feel even their soul. But it's like a cord that's connecting them to their soul. And soul embodied is where you actually feel your soul within your body. Mm. And um And I, I may not have this right. So if someone knows it better than I, you know, please correct me. But I believe that soul connection would be like a first step. Consciousness being awake is the first step. But then you get to soul connection and then you get to soul embodiment. And eventually you get to enlightenment where you are now aware that like Stanley the raindrop, you are an individual in a whole and you know that you, you know you feel that wholeness that um, being in touch with the source uh, that created everything mm. and um, you know so that would be to me what, in the path of enlightenment yeah. is. So everybody's on the path and everybody's exactly where they are supposed to be on the path because everybody has their own individual path to reach where they need to be. And so at this point in time, I no longer avoid what I consider negative people. Um, I know how to manage my own energy, so I'm not absorbing their energy <laughs> anymore. And um, having that tool allows me to meet them where they are. And so I can't, I can't talk to unawake people about the things that we've been talking about and you know, raise them up with that. What I need to do is meet them where they are. And that's me understanding and tolerating, not tolerating is not even the word, but understanding and accepting. Yeah, accepting right where they are. Speaking to them in a way that they can understand where they are and then through planting those seeds they can choose to raise up if, if they so desire yeah yeah well i think that's um i don't think anybody can really you know make anybody do anything <laughs> it has to come no. <laughs> it really has to come from us 
And, yeah. um, you know, and at the same time, I know that I have benefited greatly from the seeds that people planted with yeah. me. And so I will continue to plant seeds without, I'm not attached to the outcome of my seed planting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if they embrace it and grow, it's a beautiful thing. And if they don't, it's still a beautiful thing because they are right where they need to be. Well, and the lovely thing about writing for children also is that, um, uh, and the, the style of writing, you're not even writing books that, um, you know, it's not like a self-help book that someone picks up, I want to change, you oh, know, no. I'm, I'm yeah. something gets read and um, certain concepts, certain ideas get literally planted, certain seeds that then later in life are just there. They just have the potential to to arise. I think that's yeah. the lovely thing about good kid literature. Um, and yeah. really, um, my my big vision is that through the stories that the parents who are reading the books to the littler kids are actually absorbing some of the seeds too. Absolutely. I mean, I I've so enjoyed you know reading the Narnia books to my kids. Um, yeah. Things like Never Ending Story. Uh, yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. My favorites were um, Tolkien. So J.R.R. Tolkien, everything he wrote, I read. Mm. Um, just living in that real fantasy world of dragons and knights and, um, well, not knights, but wizards. And, and light and dark is a huge theme in his. Yeah. And it, it's still a theme in. My books, um, though, I think eventually Bella will be the one to close the portal that keeps dark out. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it'll have to come down the end of the line, otherwise it'll... <laughs> That'll be the last book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because without contrast, how can a book be interesting? <laughs> exactly. This is... This is a very interesting thing, right? This is, um, uh, it's hard to imagine life without these kinds of struggles because if we didn't have them. Yeah, I mean, life here I live, despise? I live in England and it's rained terribly for the last two days and I woke up this morning and it was sunny and I was like, oh, sunshine! <laughs> and so... I, I appreciate it more because experiencing the opposite of it. Um, so that is an interesting, you know, I've, I've read people writing things like, well, heaven on earth, won't that be boring? <laughs> but I think that there will be something to replace it. You know, yeah. the, different kinds of, I don't boring. think it'll be boring. <laughs> Yeah. Different kinds of growth. So I think in the in the um, in the sort of framework that I work with, uh, we talk about changing the condition of this planet from one where it's more of a hospital to one where it's more of a school, so that oh, the beautiful. the the struggle will still be there to grow, but it won't be enmeshed in all the same degree of suffering that we're so used to now. 
Yeah. And, and that brings, you know, the, the pain is necessary, but the suffering is optional and, you know, growth can happen without pain. Thank goodness. (laughs) But pain is, yeah, it's something that, um, it highlights when we're not in pain, you know, it makes us appreciate when we're not in pain. So, um, but once again, it's that suffering part. So (sighs) painful things happen. And when we don't process the feelings, sometimes the pain is, is too much to like, properly process the feeling. So we, we stick the feeling and the feeling gets to be a stuck emotion. And that stuck emotion stays within our energy pattern. Um, so we're triggered, you know, that's the wound that now triggers us whenever we experiencing something similar. Um, And when it's like there, I've had people in my life who like hold on to pain and they like, it's almost like a security blanket that they wrap around them. And, you know, I'm in pain. This happened to me. And they're clutching tight as if that pain is serving them. Well, it probably is at that point. In in a way, yeah. But it's all, also a choice because if you can let it go, then you're able to move beyond the pain. Mm. And so um, there's no judgment in this. I know that there are some really terrible things that have happened to people and terrible things continue to happen. And I am not judging. At the same time, I have an understanding and I've experienced, you know, I've had some very painful moments in my life and I have chosen to let go of that blanket and and see it as a blessing in disguise and see it as you know with the fire it was what it was my awakening yeah and so i can look at the fire now and I could say best thing that ever happened to me, not to everybody else, but to me, because it facilitated me getting to where I am now. Yeah. 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 Which seems to be a really growthful place, right? And one where your creativity, your creative expression is flowing in a way it wasn't before. So absolutely. And I'm in service to the world. Um, through my stories and what a beautiful thing for me to do 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so to wrap up, Angela, just tell people where can they find you? Um, where can they find your stories? Um, do, what, yeah, do you I should have. Else? You do meditation. I should have. Right? <laughs> Let me just fix this because I should have done this at the beginning. There. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I have my author name, which is Angela Lee, and it's spelled L-E-G-H. So on YouTube, my um, YouTube channel is Angela Lee, L-E-G-H. My website is AngelaLee.com. Um, there's a link on my website. So if you click on children's books and Bella Santini pops up. Um, there's a link to read it on Wattpad. So you just click the link and you can read the whole first book on Wattpad. It's all, it's free. It's yeah. there. Um, so if you want to get an idea of what the story's like without the illustration, without, you know, it's actually probably two or three versions back. Um, because I loaded that on Wattpad in March, but have made a few revisions since then. Right. Um, and but that still, would be aimed at 14-year-olds? If the protagonist is that age, would that be around the sort of age? The It's actually aimed at 8 to 11. 8 to 11-year-olds, okay. Yeah. But out of the 500 people who have read it on Wattpad, 90% of them are over 40. And they all loved it. So <laughs> it may have mass appeal. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So um, my website, I have a Facebook page, Angela Lee. Well, so lovely to meet you. And thank you for sharing your, um, you know, your insights and your hugely, as you said, it was fast. It was a really fast journey. I really hope you got some value out of today's episode. If you did, why not leave a positive review on iTunes and share it on social media to help others find it. The tune Seeing Us Out is another one from Axel Tesliff. This one is called Akasha. You can find more information about today's guest on my website, multidimensionalevolution.com including any links to their work and their contact details. On my website, you'll also find my blog and information and reviews about my book, Multidimensional Evolution, which you can purchase in any good bookstore if you want to show your love for this show and get practical info for your own exploration of consciousness. Finally, please get in touch, whether it is to ask questions share experiences, or suggest guests and topics. I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I am sending you my very best energies.